It's so great to see you today, and we are so glad you're here. We want to welcome you once again to All Nations Church, and thank you for being here today to celebrate Jesus. More than anything, it's, it says something to the Lord when you and I kind of break away from our weekly routines and habits and say, you know what? There is something far more important, and that is being together with the people of God and celebrating the fact that Jesus is alive. There's a lot of people in their religions, and they go through the mundane routine and doing things over and over again, and they don't share the hope that we have. And Jesus is the only God who's ever got up from the grave. Every other one, they always died. They never found them again. But Jesus is the only one who rose again, and we have a great hope because Jesus is alive. And this morning, we're going to look at one of the stories that Jesus is in when he resurrects from the grave, and it's going to be in John chapter 20. But I want you to just kind of imagine for with me for a moment the situation that happened in Jerusalem, the situation in the land that Jesus was in. You think about the, the life of the disciples. I like to sometimes put myself in the shoes of the disciples and see things from their point of view and understand how were they feeling what were they going through and one of the things that happened in the life of the disciples is is all they knew is that one day one moment Peter James and John they were in a garden praying with Jesus trusting in Jesus living life with him and the next thing they know they see Judas come and betray Jesus and Jesus is arrested right there in front of them and because of the fear and worry, oh no, Jesus has been arrested. They might arrest us as well. They take off and run. They all go into hiding. And you have to understand something. You know, to be in hiding was, must have been a terrible thing for them to feel. They fear not just the chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. They fear the Romans as well. They wonder, oh no, what's going to happen? We have been associated with Jesus who has been proclaiming he's the Messiah, he's the Son of God. And of course this didn't go well with the rulers of the land. And so now they're pushed into hiding, they're pushed into fear. And then of course they hear from a distance the, the sounds of the crowd yelling, crucify him, crucify him. And they're thinking, oh my goodness, that's me next. They're in fear. And you know, to live in fear is never anything anybody wants to do. There is, there is no life in living in fear. There is no good thing that comes out of living in fear. And that's not the way God intended for us to be. And there there were those disciples, and the next thing they knew, they felt an earthquake under their feet. They, they saw the temple, the curtain broke in half all the way. And this isn't just some type of curtain you and I go and purchase from Walmart. This thing was thick as thick could be. And it split all the way down from the top to the bottom. And it was an earth-shattering moment. The next thing they knew, they looked around and they see each other. And they said, I see some friends. I could have swore they died some years ago. And now they're walking the streets. All the things that had happened in this, in this moment. And now the, the Bible paints us the story that Jesus, he gave up his breath. He died there. And now the, the disciples, from their perspective, they see the Romans begin to scurry. They see the chief priests and the Pharisees and the scribes. They begin to scurry. And they begin putting guards in the streets and guards around the tomb, the place where Jesus was laid, because they had heard the rumor that Jesus said he was going to rise three days later. And now they're wondering, oh my goodness. What's going on? It's like, a, it's like a, a military invasion happened because of Jesus' death. 
It truly, literally rattled the land. And you think about this from the perspective of the disciples, and of course, yes, they turned their back on Jesus. They left him. They abandoned him. The only one who didn't was John. And there John, as Jesus was being crucified, he was at the foot of the cross, there with Jesus and Mary, the mother of Jesus. And in this moment, you can only imagine the type of anxiety. These guys had been following Jesus for three years. They gave their lives to Jesus. They gave all their whole well-being. They left their jobs. The Bible tells us when you go back and you look at the early stories of the disciples and they see Peter and he's fishing and they see the others, the Bible says they left their nets and followed him. They laid down their careers. Matthew, a tax collector, he put it all aside. Luke, a physician, put it all aside. They laid it down. They began to follow Jesus and gave their lives to doing the work that God had called them to do on the earth. And now he's dead. And they're wondering, what is going to happen tomorrow? Where is the hope? All they are in is in fear, anxiety, worry, grief. And there is this constant question of uncertainty about tomorrow. Does it sound familiar? It's a thing that tends to reoccur in history. That when there is a shaking in the land, when there is a, a seemingly a triumph of evil, that there is a seemingly increase of fear and worry. As you and I turn on the news every day, we see the headlines, we scroll on our phones, we read them. There is a sense of wondering, oh no, what is going to happen? Oh no, how am I going to live? But the disciples were about to experience something that even though the headlines looked terrible... Even though they looked dramatic, and even though it looks like, oh my goodness, how in the world is life going to go on? There was good news to come. And soon they began to hear the story of Mary Magdalene. Mary went to the tomb. She tried to get a peek in when the guards were maybe asleep on the job, weren't doing their job. And she went to the tomb. Not only did she go to the tomb, but she stumbled upon it and she discovered that that stone that covered the entrance of it that was heavy and blocking it was open. And they thought, oh no, they've moved his body, where is he? Mary goes in, she sees these two guys clothed in robes of white and they tell him he is not here, he has risen, go and tell the others. And so Mary does that, she goes and tells the others. But the Bible says that they thought it was a fable. They thought it was a tale. Now, can you imagine Mary's disappointment and grief for a moment? That here she is, she's heard the story, she's seen it with her own eyes, and now she's thinking, these guys who I've been with for the past three years, they don't even believe me. They don't even believe me. And so now, the disciples, we're going to read here today, in John chapter 20, verse 19, the Bible says that after Jesus had resurrected, here they are in a room, gathered together, and when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, I want you to notice this part right here. The doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Now John is careful to tell us that they are living in fear. So much so they lock the doors, close the curtains. We don't want anybody to know we're here. And Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now, can we just back up for a minute because you have to kind of remember here, it doesn't say Jesus opened the door. 
doesn't say Jesus unlocked the door. He just happened to have a key in his pocket that day. It says that Jesus came and he stood among them. And he said to them, peace be with you. Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands. And he showed them his side where he was pierced. And then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Also, I want you to go over and we're going to read this verse here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 54, when this perishable body puts on imperishability and this mortal body puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, because you know that, you're, that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. This morning I want to talk to you about when Jesus is in the room. When Jesus is in the room. You know, something happened when Jesus stepped in that room with those disciples. And the amazing thing is, is that when Jesus stepped in the room, he didn't come bringing anything. It was just Jesus. Just precious Jesus. Lovely Jesus, the one whom they had served and loved all those years. And now the door was locked. They weren't crazy anymore. It wasn't a fable anymore. The door was locked. Jesus walked right through showed him a hole in his hand and a hole in his side. They realized, yes, this is our Jesus. This is the Jesus whom we love. And this, this morning, I, I want you to see the beautiful picture of what happens when Jesus enters the room with them. Because it's the same thing in our lives that when Jesus enters the room called our life, and when he comes and lives and abides with us day by day, there are some incredible things that happen in our life. And it wasn't found on the streets of Jerusalem. It wasn't found by the, in the temple at that time. It wasn't found from the Pharisees. It wasn't found from anybody's job or career or hobby. It was found when Jesus stepped into their room. All of the other people in the land weren't experiencing what they were experiencing because Jesus was there, right there in the room with them. But then you go back and you read the scripture in 1 Corinthians 15 that we talk about. And we're going to talk about a little bit throughout this this morning. That Paul uses a word that is a word that is not used often in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, it's used almost a handful of times. And it is this word, victory. Victory. Now you and I, we think of the word victory in terms of when someone goes to war and they win. When they go to battle and they win. Or when they go to play a sport, they're playing baseball, they win the World Series, they have victory. We think of victory in those senses. But what does Paul mean that there is victory because of Jesus? But thanks be to God who gives us victory. What does that mean? He gives us victory. How could that mean anything good for us that God gives us victory? 
And so you're going to see today that when Jesus is in the room, in the presence of Jesus, there is victory. And it's not the type of victory that you and I, we kind of get when something exciting happens at a football game and we leave and we forget about it. It's the type of victory that conquers darkness, dispels evil, and gives life, light, and love. And so this morning, I want to show you a few things that happens when Jesus is in the room. The first thing that happens, the Bible shows us here, that Jesus stepped in that room. The Bible says the doors were locked because of fear of the Jews. We know the disciples were scared. They had anxiety, worry, and grief, wondering, oh no, we are going to be taken next. And they were scared for their lives. But then the Bible tells us in verse 20 that when the disciples saw Jesus, they rejoiced. And when Jesus is in the room, I want you to catch this today because this is a thing that is rampant in our world today. When Jesus is in the room, fear flees. Fear flees. Now, all of us, we have our phobias. We have the things that we don't like. We have, we, maybe we're afraid of heights. Maybe we're afraid of roller coasters, spiders, snakes, all the little walking in the basement at night, all the possible little things are phobias. But this isn't the type of fear that Jesus causes to flee. The type of fear that Jesus causes to flee is the type of fear where you and I have the fear of wondering, what is going to happen to my life? Where am I going to be for all of eternity? The fear of not knowing tomorrow. The fear of wondering, is tomorrow anything good going to come out of tomorrow? But the thing that you have to understand, that it's because of Jesus' resurrection, it's because Jesus rose from the dead that keeps us from living, keeps us away from living in fear of death, fear of uncertainty, fear of wondering what is going to happen. Jesus' resurrection gives us the hope that death is not the final say over us, that evil is not the final say over us. Jesus causes all of that to flee, and whether we know what's going to happen tomorrow or not, we don't have to fear because you and I have the realization that my life is in the hands of God, and whatever God wants to happen, it's a good thing because it's God's hands, and we can trust Him. In the presence of Jesus, and when Jesus is in the room, fear flees. As a matter of fact, you see throughout the New Testament that when these spirits of evil got around Jesus, they would begin to tremble. They would begin to get afraid and wondering, as we sang this morning, the demons run at his name because there is something about the presence of Jesus that commands darkness and dispels evil. And I want to encourage you today that in the room of our lives, God has not intended us to live in fear. But apart from Jesus, we will live in fear. There is no hope apart from Jesus. If you and I go on living our lives as we do away from Jesus, there is no hope. Hope is maybe what's going to happen tomorrow that I've got on my planner. But even that very thing is not promised. But when there is Jesus in the room, when Jesus is near, then there is a hope that says, I don't have to be afraid about tomorrow because Jesus is with me. This is especially true because Jesus told those disciples as he was there with them, teaching them before he died, he says, I am going to go and prepare a place for you. Why would Jesus go and prepare a, place for you, prepare a place for them and for us if only he died and never rose again? But because Jesus rose from the dead, we have the hope that you and I, this isn't the end. 
This is just the beginning of forever. That you and I, eternity, is not something that's off in the distant to think about and wondering. I wonder if that's just some mystical place that we're all going to be. No, Jesus said that's the very place I'm going. And as a matter of fact, the Bible tells us 40 days after Jesus rode from the dead, the disciples watched as Jesus ascended into heaven. This wasn't some figurative thing that happened. They literally, they watched him as he ascended into heaven. And so if Jesus went there and he ascended from earth to there, then it must mean that it's a real place for you and I that we are tended to be in the presence of Jesus forever. And it is a place, I want to tell you today, free of fear, free of worry, free of anxiety, free of grief. And if you are living in fear today, when Jesus is in the room, fear flees, fear flees. The next thing that happened when Jesus walked in that room, the first thing that Jesus said to them, he stood up when he walked in. And this is the amazing thing. You know, sometimes the Bible is comical. If I would have seen Jesus walk through the doors and the door was locked, I think for a moment I might have just wondered, like, uh, jaw drop, turn very pale, maybe faint, I don't know. A lot of things could have possibly happened. But when Jesus walked in the room, he didn't say, hello, how are you? The first thing he said to them was, peace be with you. Because when Jesus walks in a room, when Jesus walks in our lives, when Jesus steps down into the soul of our heart and lives with us, the first thing that Jesus brings is peace. He brings peace. He is our peace, the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that because Jesus died on a cross and gave his life for you and I, we have been promised that if we will believe in his name, that we can be guaranteed peace with God. But apart from Him, there is no peace. Apart from Jesus, there is no peace. We will always be in contradiction with the Father. But because Jesus is peace, His resurrection is a proclamation of peace. And when Jesus is in the room, peace is proclaimed. Peace is proclaimed. This was the type of peace that the disciples saw from a distance one day as they were out on a boat and they were doing their day-to-day -day travel and activities and they noticed one day that the waters were getting a little rough. They felt the wind coming in kind of strong. And all they knew was, Jesus, he's asleep. We're not going to bother him right now. And they let the storm go on and the storm picked up and the storm picked up. It started to rock some more and good old Jesus, he could sleep right through that thing. Because when Jesus is in the room, there's peace. And when Jesus stood up, the first thing he said, peace, be still. And so the disciples had the perspective that if even the winds and the waves obey him, if even Jesus causes peace to come to the wind and come to the waves, then surely it's the peace that they needed in their own life. And the first thing that Jesus did when he stepped into the storm of Jerusalem and the storm of the, their worry and fear and wondering what was going on, the first thing he did was, peace be with you. Because when Jesus is in the room, there is peace and as I've watched our world over the past few years, this is the one thing I see people living without that, oh, if they knew Jesus, the peace that they could discover. This is the type of peace that Paul says, it doesn't make sense. It's not understandable. It's the type of peace that when you are going through the worst thing possible in your life, it's the type of peace that comes in your soul that calls the hymn writer to say, it is well with my soul. And the amazing thing is when that guy wrote that song, his whole family had just died. 
His whole family had just passed away on a travel from sea, from coast to coast. And when he got down to write, because he had experienced the peace of Jesus, he could sit down and write the words, It is well with my soul. Why? Because Jesus is peace. You see, the wonderful thing about the peace of Jesus is, is that there can be wind, there can be waves, there can be storms all around you. It can seem like the worst thing possible is going on in your life, but in our soul is a calming, something that I can't explain, something that doesn't make sense, but there's peace. The type of peace that you and I need right now in our lives, the type of peace that our world needs. It's not the type of peace when two parties sit down and decide to write a document that we are no longer going to fight against each other. That's earthly peace. It will flee. It will go away. But this type of peace, it's eternal. It goes on and on and on, even in our soul. When Jesus is in the room, there is peace. Ephesians chapter 2 says it this way. He came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. What does that mean? That means that people who saw the gospel from a distance, talking about the Gentiles, the people who were not Jews, and saw even then the type of peace that was available, it was an extension of an invitation to say, even you can experience peace. It's the type of invitation that says, yes, even you and I, in the worst state of our sin, we can experience peace because of we come to Jesus. Even if you and I have turned our back all our lives and fought God and resisted Him and said, I am not going to serve the Lord, even then, if we will come to Jesus, there is peace. Even to those people who have thought, God, I don't deserve it. I have done all the worst possible things I could think of in my life. Even I don't deserve that. Even to those people who were far off, Jesus proclaimed peace. And the amazing thing is, is that Jesus' peace, if you and I will believe on his name, it doesn't matter if you are far or near, deep or wide, there is no place that Jesus' peace cannot come and cover your life. And he wants you to experience his peace peace. And thirdly, this last thing here, when Jesus is in the room, there is power promised. Power promised. When Jesus looked at those disciples, watch what he did. I've always loved this scripture, carried it with me in my heart. Doing ministry, doing all the activities that we have to do in life, Jesus breathed on them. This verse is always just kind of, uh, if you wanted to go and, and really understand some things about the Bible, this verse answers a lot of questions. If you go back to the garden, the Bible says when God created Adam and Eve, he breathed the breath of life into them. In Jesus, there is life. And what you and I have been called to experience is life. Life that comes from the breath of God, from the Holy Spirit, working through us, helping us every day. So he told them, receive the Holy Spirit. And Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says it this way, that the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, He lives in you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, He lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. What Paul was saying is, you might have been dead at one time because of sin. 
There is no life in sin. It's death. But when God's Spirit comes and the peace of God comes and the power of God comes, there is the Spirit that raises us up from the dead and gives us new life in Jesus. And Paul later says in Ephesians, we are alive together in Christ. We have life because of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the disciples heard that and they went, yeah, that sounds good. But they did not realize that what they really needed was the type of life that even if they turned their back on Jesus and they went into fear and in hiding, and even if they abandoned him, and even if they cursed him three times like Peter did, they would experience the type of life that comes even in all of that that says, receive the Holy Spirit. I am still inviting you, Peter to walk with me. I'm still inviting you, James, and all of the other disciples to walk with me and experience life that brings us up from the death and experience new life in Jesus. It's a power promise that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you and I. It's not just the scripture. And we read it sometimes like it's a distant text, but it should awaken us and stir us a little bit. That Jesus laid in the tomb for three days, but then his body was raised again. And the Bible tells us that power, it's in you. It's in me. And now we have been sent into the earth to proclaim this peace, to share this power with the earth that Jesus brings dead things to life, that he causes graves to turn into gardens. He turns dead things into new creations because if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. It is power. It's not the type of power kings, prime ministers, presidents have. It's not that type of power. It's the type of power that you can have ashes and it turn into something beautiful. You can have the dust of the ground, but when Jesus breathes his life on it, it becomes a human body. That's the type of power we're talking about. And it's the type of power that's alive in you and I. Power, promise, peace, proclaimed, fear, flees. The musicians, you could come. When Jesus is in the room, all the wonderful things that happen so what about that verse we read earlier? But thanks be to God who gives us victory. Because when Jesus walks in the room, there's victory through his peace. All the chaos and turmoil in our lives, Jesus' resurrection promises us victory in peace. All the fear that goes on in our lives, all the fear that we carry around and wondering and, wonder and have to wonder about if we don't know the Lord, what's going to happen tomorrow, the type of victory that you and I, if we will believe in Jesus, is the type of victory that says, I am victorious over fear. I don't have to live afraid anymore. I can live confident in this knowing that I have Jesus and I have believed in his name. And even though I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and even though my future is unsure, in Jesus it is sure. In Jesus, it is well. It's the type of victory that says, I can be dead to sin. I can be completely empty and lacking what I need. But the type of victory that gives us power to overcome death. So Paul sang a hymn and he said, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Because you and I, we've been promised life. And so Paul gives them this final word I want to give you today. He says, because of that, thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, church, therefore, my beloved Paul says, 
be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, because you know that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. It's the type of victory that says, God, I don't know if what I'm doing matters. Paul tells them, no, you have victory. Be steadfast. The type of victory that says, Lord, things are getting tough in my life. I'm thinking about walking away and quitting. No, it's the type of victory that says, be immovable. It's the type of victory that says, Lord, I don't know if, if I should keep doing the work that, I've, that you want me to do. I just, I, I'm, I'm losing the heart for it. It doesn't seem like there's any value in it anymore. No, it's the type of victory that says, keep going. Keep excelling in all the work of the Lord. Because you know that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. When Jesus is in the room, there is victory. There's victory for you, my friend. Experiencing whatever you're experiencing today. I know life is hard sometimes. Let's just, all, let's just agree today. Life is hard. Look, finances, they're hard right now. Everybody. Health situations, it's hard right now. Everybody. Family drama and family complications, look, it's hard. It's the reality of life. But in Jesus, there is victory. And if there was any place that you and I needed victory to navigate through life, certainly isn't it our soul? We can have victory. It, we, all the other situations, they're unsure, uncertain. But the one place you and I have been guaranteed victory is in Jesus, in our soul. And why not experience the joy of victory in Jesus? Because he's risen from the dead. Will you stand with me this morning? Every eye closed this morning. I just want to talk to you today and just tell you, you have fear today, you have worry, you need peace in your life, you need love, you need Jesus. Oh, Jesus, how he just looks at you and loves you, cherishes you, wants you to have his peace. Oh, he just wants you, he wants you to experience it. He wants you to experience the power of the gospel that transforms. He wants that for you so much. And this morning, can I just plead with you for a minute? Don't leave here today without experiencing the wonderful love of Jesus for you. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we had done even the worst thing we could possibly imagine, Christ loved us. And oh, how Jesus loves us. There is no place that his love is not willing to go to love us. And this morning, you need peace today. You need joy. You need Jesus. You want to experience that power that rose Jesus from the dead. Can I just invite you to come and stand here at the front? We'd love to pray with you today. Just come this morning. Come stand here today. You want to just call upon the Lord and worship Him and celebrate His resurrection. Can I just invite you to come this morning and stand here today? If we have any friends that are outside in the overflow room, feel free to come as well to the front. We want to pray for you this morning as I pray. Come this morning. Come. Experience Jesus' peace. Experience the power of the gospel for you. You don't have to live that way anymore. God has peace for you. He has love for you. He has victory for you today. There's some sin that has overtaken your life. Jesus has promised there's victory to overcome it. And so, Lord, this morning we come into your presence. And we know that when Jesus is in the room, there's victory for us. There's peace. Fear flees. And the power is promised from one high. So, Lord, today would you send your Holy Spirit. Encourage us. Empower us. Lord, we want to know you today. Too, and we pray that we might experience your love this morning. 
Jesus, we pray today, come Holy Spirit, encourage us all today. This morning, you need Jesus in your life. Look, there's nothing complicated about it. The Bible says the work of God is this, that we might believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the one sent from heaven for you and I. Simply believing in Jesus, calling upon His name, and giving your life to live with Him day to day. That's how God has called it. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. So this morning, just call to Him today. You say to me, Charlie, I don't know how to pray. I don't know. Just, just talk to Him like you talk to a friend. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, I need you. Lord, I want your peace for my life. I need the victory that that guy's talking about today. Please, today, may I experience it this morning. Just begin to call upon his name today. Lord, we thank you this morning, Jesus. We call to you today, Lord. We need peace this morning. We need the victory that's in Jesus today, Lord. We want the hope that even though I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, I can trust in you today because I know you have loved me, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, today. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Oh, how we need you today, Lord. We need you, Jesus. Come on, church, just begin to call upon him today. Oh, how we need you, Jesus. We need your presence, Lord. We need your peace and victory today. Oh, we thank you.